The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk for Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, Bitcoin is booming and there's one crypto chart. Brian Kelly says you have to see this week and it could have major implications for the market. He will explain. Plus, happy 420 and on this high holiday, we've got the former governor of Massachusetts and board member of cannabis company Acreage Holdings, William Weld. He'll tell us why he's giving the cannabis craze a green light. But first, we start off with the market sell-off, the Dow dropping nearly 300 points at the lows. Apple, again, the big loser today, dragging down tech and the rest of the market along with it. The Nasdaq 100 falling nearly 2%. And this is the countdown begins to what could be the most important week for tech stocks. As Wall Street waits with bated breath, Alphabet, Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft, Twitter, Intel, all on deck to report earnings next week. Will these companies be able to deliver, or is today's action a warning sign of what is to come? Guy, what do you well, say? I think the or does it signs. matter? Or does it matter? Or does it matter? Nice, that's nice, that's nice. That's the questions around here, but I but just no, but did. Tim, I think, asked the, mm. not that you didn't ask the right, you asked the she correct question. Does. But Tim dovetailed it correctly and said, does it matter? And I would submit... I don't really think it does matter. There's a lot of other things going on now that sort of supersede what we're seeing in technology. But to play the game, Mm -hmm. if you ask me the names that really make a difference next week, Facebook to me is fascinating on Wednesday. But the name that I think out of all those that I think will crush because they can and because it'll be a giant sort of... uh, Silencer to the administration comes in the form of Amazon on Thursday. You ask why who, wouldn't it matter, though? Why, why because of yields? Matter? Well, here, let me ask a different question. Um, if, if the 10-year note was at 246 today closing rather than 296, wouldn't equities have rallied? I, so I, 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 don't, I don't know. You still have the you have, to, rhetorical, you have to answer the chip. The chip question is the real reason why I think a lot of the tech space was under pressure. So next week, why I think it does matter is that if you can alleviate a lot of these worries, then it's going to get a, a little bit off the back of Apple. And if you can get a little bit off the back of Apple, tech is probably has a little bit of a runway to run. That's fair. And I and I, I would agree because then we've had this conversation all week because semis have been breaking down. They are mm-hmm. truly a sign of cyclicality in the economy. Um, I think when you get to big cap tech, obviously, what are we going to be listening to or listening for? We're going to be listening for um, some sense of the regulatory pressure, some sense of the additional cost these guys will endure because of that and margins. And, and, and again, I think it gets back to valuations matter now. Uh, and I think it matters even in the tech sector where uh, a lot of times people are well you know, willing to look past that growth. I mean, if this was just about tech, I wouldn't be that worried about the market, right? You could say, fine, you know what, maybe Taiwan Semi set this off because you're not selling as many smartphones. But this is spreading. There's a bit of a contagion going on. Look at Stanley Works today. That stock was down almost 6% on the lows today. Horrible guidance. That has real meaning to Home Depot, to Lowe's, to all the other stocks that we've talked about that have been been, uh, wonders. Yeah, you might even want to talk to Mike Jackson on Auto Nation. Who knows? Maybe he's got something to say. But you got the biggest uh, sector in the S&P 500 under 
under pressure right now, being, of course, technology buffeted by all sorts of things, whether it be concerns about demand, concerns about CapEx spending, concerns about what China will do, concerns about regulatory pressure, right. your consumer staples down, leading again. I mean, that was really troubling price action off the back of yesterday's slate of earnings well, where they didn't have any pricing you know, pressure. I know Apple's its own animal, and we, we designate certain shows to specifically Apple, but Katie Huberty, or a lot of people, I mean, Pete says it all the time, she is the absolute axe. Because she has been the most bullish analyst on the street. Today, look what she says, and look at what the stock says. So if you believe her on the way up, it stands to reason you're going to listen to what she says when she makes negative comments. To me, out of all the things, you know, macro aside, that was the most interesting story of the but day. Fa but Facebook, I think we got a lot of that out of the way. I think we got a, a lot of it. If Facebook can prove that advertisers aren't leaving in droves and that subscribers aren't leaving in droves, I think that they basically, I don't want to say they're out of the woods because the macro market will dictate right. a lot of it, but I think they're nearer but, to the end than the beginning. But what if they came out on their earnings call and they said, we have not seen an impact yet? Would you be surprised? I mean, how long has the impact well, so, so I mean, how long what they, would that they, have been able to take to place? Say there is a a, month, we haven't months? seen an impact, and we don't expect one, right? If we haven't seen an impact, then the market's going to price in more uncertainty. Do you think they can say? Do you think they can say at this point we don't, they expect don't expect one? one? If they do, I think the market would would probably laugh. Look, all, all the I channel mean, really, right, honestly. exactly. So it's a no-win situation, yeah. really. All the channel checks we we've heard about Facebook is that advertisers actually still stay very engaged, and I'm not sure you're going to see a major impact. The question really for them is going forward, and I, and I go back to just the whole uh, the existentialist reality of the centralized platform. I, I think there's a lot of people that aren't just like deleting Facebook because it's Facebook. I think they're starting, starting to say, you know, this is the world of what's going on in crypto and blockchain. This is a world where I no longer want to be feeding or being fed uh, to the parasite, which is, I, I know that's an awful word. I just want to also stress, I think that the XLP, so back to Staples, Mel, you sure. brought it up. The fact that we're at two-year lows on Staples is significant for two reasons. One, because it tells you that obviously yields are going higher. People are less willing to go for these high yield products. But two, it also tells you uh, that, that you we're in a place where people really believe that the equity valuations are high. You were willing to spend a lot for any one of these staples companies in a stock market where the 10-year was lower. So it's that double dynamic. Stocks are nowhere near as cheap as they were at a 3% 10-year than they were at a 2%. Yeah, Procter, so, oh, sorry, quickly. Procter & Gamble just sort of put a bow on it. Made a 52-week low today. Procter & Gamble, it's not an insignificant company. And what's really interesting is the top of the stock was top tick the day that Nelson Peltz announced that he was taking a major stake. If you recall, because I remember the day and I remember it was trading, was trading with a 92 handle. Look at it now. If yields cross 3% next week and all these companies report in line to better than expected earnings. Hmm. What's, well, the over, three, what's the overriding reaction? Yeah, the I mean, th every strategist that we've had on the show is that three percent is the number. But that's that's the number that they will start to adjust their estimates, their earnings estimates, and right. adjust their year-end targets at three percent. So I think psychologically, I mean, whether we're at two point nine five or three point oh one, really doesn't matter right. to the economy. The but at three percent for for strategists, that's important I mean, psychologically. The, I think the market important has, has yes, it's a big event, and yeah, we've all been waiting for it. We've been in a declining rate environment for what seems like forever. So if you look at the trend lines, they're all they're all nothing but lower, lower and to the right. But I do believe that the market is digesting it. I do believe the bigger aspect, that's where we started this conversation was with rates months ago. Now I think we've moved on to that. If large cap tech can perform next week, I do think it matters. And I do think it drags the whole market with it back to 
probably above 20, 27. So stronger earnings from technology can override 3-plus yes. percent on the 10-year yield. Yes. Agree or disagree? I don't know. I don't think so necessarily. And I'll tell you, Neil Kashkari uh -huh. had an interview today, and I know the yield curve doesn't necessarily matter for banks. Tim has pointed out he's been correct. But it matters for the economy, I think. And today he said with the twos, tens being 40-something basis points, he wasn't signaling necessarily a recession, but it was a genuine yellow light is what he talked about. It's also about. been a Fed that's gone out of their way, whether it's Kashkari, whether it's Bill Dudley, to tell you... The Fed is not going to bail you out, folks. We are, we yeah. are not here. We're, we don't care slow down whether though, markets you know, are, are so, going to be disturbed. So the same way that Key just said, that it's a flashes of yellow. They could slow down, and they, we could talk two yeah, to three. Yeah, but they, haven't even, they haven't even talked about Why slowing they down. They haven't even no, talked no, about speeding up. Said, no, no, I'm just commenting on that one, uh, one thing. Yeah, that but nobody, nobody cares so, about him but right But if, if, if so, do you think that the Fed is going to stay with their foot on the gas if we're hitting 3%? I don't think know about how slowly, Steve, the Fed has moved to get into the zone they're in. You think they're going to turn it on a dime? Yeah. Absolutely not. This yeah. is the whole problem with the Fed. Here's the other problem with rates and why they're going to go higher. Every macro fund in the world has been betting on this. And, in fact, it was very painful two months or six weeks ago when we got back down to, you know, 271. I think that's a big part of it. Finally, the rest of the world is listening and realizing we have an enormous amount of debt to refund. This is going to be two times as much in 2017 as we had in 2019 versus what we had in 2017. You've got twin deficits. You've got all the trade rancor out there. It certainly doesn't inspire other nations. I'm not saying they're going to go dump them. They will not. But funding the U.S. government in this environment is something that is pushing up on 10 years, no denying it. Just to button this up then, tech earnings, good tech earnings, do they trump 3-plus percent on the 10-year yield next week? Very good tech earnings. I say do. yes. Very you know, good. Sort okay. of strong, no. So yes. we, don't have, we don't have a chartist on this block, but there's nothing in the technicals that tell me the stock market's going up next week. Y yes, they trump it. They trump it. You? Slows it down, but I think, I think the macro trumps everything right now. All right, coming up, speaking of tech earnings, there's one name that Dan Nathan says is a major short ahead of next uh, week, earnings reports. He'll join us to explain, plus General Electric surging today after its earnings weren't as bad as many feared, but is a turnaround for real? The traders weigh in. And later, it's everyone's favorite holiday, apparently. I like Christmas. But today is National Pot Day. And on the last day of our weed week, the former governor of Massachusetts and board member at Acreage Holdings, Bill Weld, will join us to talk about the fast-growing industry. We are live from New York City's Times Square. we got much more Fast Money coming up right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. It's 420, April 20th, 420, a high holiday for marijuana users. Oh, oh. For more on the cannabis craze, let's bring in former Massachusetts Governor Bill Weld, who now sits on the board of a national cannabis company, Acreage Holdings, with former House Speaker John Boehner. Governor Weld, great to have you with us. Thanks for being here. Great to be here. I hadn't realized it's the high holiday, not being a smoker, but I'm going to have to start celebrating it starting today, I guess. <laughs> you don't need to smoke anymore. Yeah, yeah I, I, and I didn't know what 420 was until 420 myself, but um, you You've been a proponent of this for a very long time, which was actually surprising to me when I first read it. Since 1992? Yeah, medical marijuana. Yeah, medical marijuana. Yeah, I didn't come around to the, the full scale until question four in Massachusetts, 2016. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So your role in Acreage Holdings, you joined what? A, you joined the board? It's board? now a board of advisors. It may uh -huh. morph into uh, a board, but I'm, I'm very active. I've spent a long time with the Kevin Murphy, the founder, and the other Folks, they're all Wall Street uh, veterans. 
at the same time, Murphy and, and the others have this huge passion about the afflicted and the suffering and what, you know, CBD can do for people with pain and nausea and veterans and epilepsy and research in Israel where this research is legal. Right. A guy named Raphael Meshulam at uh, Hebrew University has, has shown that, you know, it, it can alleviate symptoms, not cure the diseases, but alleviate major symptoms of cancer. How much money a year do we spend on that? Uh, you know, hepatitis, uh, diabetes, uh, Parkinson's disease, and not to have research legal in the United States on that strikes me as crazy. So that's why Boehner and I are saying number one priority, uh -huh. deschedule cannabis as a class one narcotic in Washington, D.C. Why do you think that there has been such a change in tone in the conversation of late? I mean, just today, Senator Chuck Schumer said that he is formally announcing a plan to decriminalize marijuana at the federal level. Um, we've had a number of, of drugs reach the level of FDA committee. And just yesterday, GW Pharmaceuticals, which deals with a cannabinoid-based right. drug, which treats um, epileptic seizures in children, they got approved 13 0 right. in an FDA committee. Right. Why the change in tone all of a sudden? Do you I think? don't know, but it's coming on like a freight train. Um, the Trump administration announced they want to hear comments April 23rd at the FDA on descheduling cannabis as a class one narcotic. And uh, President Trump talked with uh, Cory Gardner, senator, Republican senator from Colorado a couple days ago, right after Boehner and I came on here and said, no, no, I'm going to take care of uh, the, uh, the rub between the feds and the states. Don't worry. If it's legal in Colorado, we'll make sure you guys don't get prosecuted for that. That's the president of the United States talking. So that's, that's pretty high cotton, as they say in Mississippi. <laughs> and, and, Governor, this is a president that also realizes where... Uh, the political footballs are worth throwing and catching. And, and if you think about the veterans and, and the, the demand within or the, the desire within that community, especially those veterans that have been using CBD, um, to really say, I'm doing this for veterans and I actually care, um, and I believe he does, um, isn't this yeah. part of the political process that I, will be, uh, it makes this an issue for, for midterm elections? I, I would think it's excellent politics for President yeah. Trump. And he did say during the campaign in 2016, uh, I think adult rec, adult full legalization, is a state's rights issue. Uh, and that goes down very well with Republicans, including uh, this right. former Republican. I'm now a libertarian, but John Boehner. And, uh, you know, we're saying if you deschedule, it still leaves the question of adult rec to the states. And there, there's a, a disparity in, in view in the country between medical marijuana and full legalization, because there are 29 states that have okayed medical and only nine to date that have, uh, uh, that have legalized uh, full, full uh, rec. Given that the path right now legally is not fully formed and that there are certain things that are still being debated and decided. Um, you guys are still planning on going public? How does that, how does that work if, if, if some of these issues are not decided you know, it, on a it federal level? something like backing into a shell in Canada so that there's no question about uh, violating U.S. So it would be on the Toronto me, I'm a former head of the criminal division of the United States Justice Department. <laughs> right. I'm not out, out well, to break any laws. So that opens up the whole dialogue as it relates to banking the sector. And, and, and that's been the biggest issue, I think, for a lot of these companies. And one of the reasons why the capital markets business has been so strong around all these cannabis entities, especially up in Toronto. Um, do, you, do you envision anything happening either on the state level, certainly federally, that will allow these corporations, this commerce, to, to get a better leg into the banking system? Well, well, what the president said to Cory Gardner is a step in that direction. And I honestly think if you get descheduling, which there's really almost no logical argument against, uh, the banking is going to take care of itself. It's going to follow along. Full, full legalization, I think it's still years away for all 50 states, unless Senator Schumer's bill goes through. But it may be, you know, three, four, five years. It's not 10, 
20 years away. Sooner okay. than probably most of us think. Uh, Governor Weld, we've got to leave it there. We hope you'll come back and visit us again. Thank it's you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Governor Thanks. William Weld, uh, Acreage Holdings board member. What do we think of the sector? So, so obviously this is where everyone's eyeballs are. And if we can let the states choose, then you're going to see. Uh, you look at that map and you look at it, that, so to speak, heat map. And it really is the tailwind for pot. I, I wonder how much of this is an international story. Can we compete with the Canadian companies mm -hmm. now? But maybe like the governor said, maybe you have to do an end route and go to Canada as the shell and then figure out how to compete from there. You know, the reaction on Twitter to our Weed Week has been very interesting. Mm. You get a lot of uh, people who are very enthusiastic about it, very interested. And then you get a lot of people who say, why are you talking about these speculative investments? This is like, you know, amateur hour. I disagree with that 100%. Tim's done a lot of work with this, but this is going to be the most disruptive industry, in my opinion, we've seen since the Internet. And I know it, I don't say that to be glib or speak in hyperbole. This is going to disrupt the spirits industry, which it has done. And you watch the pushback you're going to get from Big Cap Pharma, who have a tremendous lobby in Washington, D.C. I guarantee they're going to push back against this, but they will be unable to. Even the cannabinoid-based drugs that are being developed right now, I mean, that those have major implications. They don't cross the blood-brain barrier. So right. a lot of those things could be replacements for opioids, well, which obviously is a huge problem in our country. Look, the opioid ed ed epidemic is something that's, again, very highly uh, talked about. But, but below the scene, if you think about just pain relief and, and sleep disorders, mm -hmm. and this is 80% of the pharma spend in, in this country. This is why the entire CBD space is so fascinating and why, really, it's nice 420 day. It's nice to, you know, to, to rerun Fast Times at Ridgemont High and watch a Cheech and Chong movie. Um, but the bottom line is this is a global story. These are real conversations. And, and I agree. I, I think there's real brands that are being built within this space. Brands matter, and they'll hold on to their margin even if the product prices go down. Now we know how Tim celebrates 420. <laughs> how do I do that? All right. Weed Week is over, but coming up, our crypto baller Brian Kelly has a Bitcoin chart. So crazy, you might actually think you are high. It's got major implications for the market, and he will explain. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC First and Business Worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Up to the ground, come a bubbling Oil is surging, and it's taking energy stocks with it. But the chartmaster says he sees something in the charts that could be signaling the party is over. He'll tell us what that is. Plus, shares of Boeing have been looking a lot like its planes, flying high. But one trader thinks the stock is about to get grounded. He'll explain why when Fast Money returns, right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. GE surging today and topping the tape. A big earnings beat sending that stock up a whopping 4% today, 8% this week for its best weekly performance since November of 2016. The stock officially no longer the biggest Dow laggard of 2018 as Procter & Gamble now takes that spot. So can you trust this bounce? Is this beginning of a turnaround for General Electric? You bought GE I yesterday. did. I bought it yesterday. We started talking about it about a week ago, around 13 at a dime, saying it was looking interesting. Off of that Flannery interview where he said, next week is our first time to prove ourselves. And I thought he was making such a big deal about it that he felt really confident. That's why I wanted to buy it off of that. I do think that when you look at the chart, 15, 16, 17 within iShot today, extremely healthy that we didn't break down way below $14. Mm -hmm. Market wanted to sell off. This one was under pressure. Three words, better than expected. And now you're talking about maybe selling off their rail business. He is going to get there. I don't know longer term, but I think that this, this market has everything in this name 
Well, so I'm recently. I would have said not as bad so, yeah, as I it mean, was a better than expected. So, so Steve's right that the expectations were so poor. And, and it sounded like you were being more tactical than making an investment. Because actually, yes. I think about 15, 16, 17, you're starting to talk about 20, 30 percent away. Um, so I'm long the stock from about 19. And I'm hanging in there because I think the sentiment has been so poor that I think you have a dynamic here where it's really about transparency for these guys. I don't expect that their core earnings are going to turn around. And obviously, what they did today was a nice beat, but it really, you know, it was a very low bar. So I don't think today tells you it's turned around. I think there's a lot of short money in it. In fact, I need to see them divest $20 billion as they said they would because I, I'm worried about the credit agencies, too. I think they, they need to get them off their back. They were supposed to divest that $20 billion by, I think, Thanksgiving, Christmas, yeah. I and mean, here we are, we're in April now, not even close. Steve, tactically, was a great trade, but you look, their, their cash flow, they still have tremendous issues in terms of free cash flow. Nothing's gotten better there. I think this was a relief rally, which may last another week or so, but the problems that existed two weeks ago, I think, still exist today. All right, moving on to another big winner this week, Bitcoin. The cryptocurrency back above 8,500, jumping 7% this week. And that brings us to our chart of the day. Check out the correlation between Bitcoin and the stock market over the past year. You flagged this, Beeks. Yeah, so here's what's interesting is we actually looked at this, and the correlation over a longer period of time is not statistically significant. But since December, it has gotten a lot closer. A lot of people like Jeffrey Gunlock have been out there saying Bitcoin is the leader of the market. But I would also submit that Bitcoin has been down because of tax selling. The stock market may be down because of tax selling. We saw that John Paulson had to pay a billion dollars in taxes. David Einhorn took two to three hundred million dollars out of his fund to pay for taxes. There was a 10 year window where these hedge fund managers didn't have to pay taxes. This is the year they have to pay it. So I think that that's why you have this correlation. There's tax selling in both of these assets. Yeah. Do you do you agree with that, with the whole well, you were very skeptical I've, I've about skeptical. the tax day selling aspect of been, it, at least. I've been skeptical just because I, I, I sense that the global industry that everybody says is two-thirds sitting in Asia is not a bunch of U.S. folks. But I, I do think if, if you think about the liquidity in the market, what it takes to push it around, um, for selling in a non-liquid environment could hurt. All right. It's Friday. It's already that time. You know what's for next? Final no, not that time. Oh. It's time for the final <laughs> trade first and then options action. But first, the final trade. Tim. They report Monday. Halliburton, ride the strength in the OSX. Brian Kelly. So last night I came out as a special guest, which was not only thrilling, but fun, too. Uh, I said buy Bitcoin above 8500 I put my money where my mouth is. I bought some today. That's my final trade. You buy the Bitcoins. You're just relieved that we invited you over to the desk. I was relieved. You didn't to, get the yes. sad I thought you were going to spend exactly. the whole night at the plasma tonight. I, I feel as if Apple's my final trade, but I feel as if every, <laughs> everyone is so worried about iPhone sales. And we get it. It's an iPhone company. It's a hardware company. I understand that every, everyone is putting all their eggs in that basket. I think it's a little too front-loaded, a little too contrived for me. I do believe that you could buy this one on a dip. You know, the reason why you watch options, actually, Dan, Nathan, Dan Nathan, Mike, and Carter, they're great. But Dan yes. Nathan on Wednesday, you know what his final trade was? I remember these. I don't. Short SMH. Oh, right. Spot on. Brilliant, as that, you know, that sound bite says. Wind Resorts in earnest. All right. That does it for us here on Fast Money. Catch us back here at 5 o'clock Monday. Don't move. Options action is up next. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.